once knew these two guys. Each, in their own way, had had it all. And blew it. Left with broken brains and battered bravery, having to find parts of themselves they had seen in film and cinema. But who were they anymore? If they were going to do this, it needed to be the most thorough search for identity ever undertaken. Welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast with your hosts, Ben Groves and Rob McFarlane. This episode contains spoilers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast. My name is Ben Groves. And my name is Rob McFarlane. We have fucked up on this competition a little bit not in a bad way oh massively bad way it's too popular well, no, we just didn't understand what it would do or how we it thought works. it would be like six people the six of you would be interested and go yeah i wouldn't mind standing with muscles but it's a lot more popular than we thought it would be we were frankly unprepared we're too disorganized for this shit right we've got all the names yep way longer list than we were expecting by a fucking mile yep. um we're learning you know we're new to this it's yeah, organic so- growth the lesson that I've learned from this is don't try and give away anything because everyone wants it. Never help anyone. Yeah. But we will be holding a live stream on Instagram on Wednesday, the 26th, to announce the winner. So if you've entered the competition, come join us uh, on Instagram Live and we can make sure that our prized muscly, muscly Santa boy goes to the right home. I'm not going to lie, I'm sad about losing my possibly German copy of uh, Santa with Muscles. Are you sadder about losing the Blu-ray copy that's possibly German of Santa with Muscles or £25 of I the... I could give a fuck about the currency. Oh, yeah. Right, that's fair. Buy a video game, that's fine. I'm happy that someone will buy a video game. But what I'm unhappy about is at the moment I have Santa with Muscles on Blu-ray and I'm uncertain on whether it's German or not. You've got to let it go. That, uh, but I'm struggling. Well, they, you know what they say, if you love something, you've got to let it go. Uh, what else is happening? Oh, yeah. Fastest Podcast in the West, season one, uh, was debuted to rapturous applause on our podcast channels. And you'll be pleased to find out we are releasing them one by one over the next couple of weeks on our socials. We've got Instagram, Discord, TikTok, Twitter, even a fucking Facebook page. We'd love to see you there. We've got a Facebook. We've got a Facebook. We're in our 30s and actively made a Facebook. It's disgusting. It is grim. I don't trust us. I don't no. trust it. This Wednesday, over on our Instagram account, we're going to go live to announce the giveaway winner we'll be doing like a little spinny wheel thing you all can come and watch it it's fantastic there'll be prizes balloons you know name tags i mean programming sure i'll get a balloon i can get some confetti that'll be fine yeah you won't experience but i will it's gonna be great there'll be electron wellness techniques and kundalini breathing yeah that's after that's just with rob though he'll continue it for hours i'm i got shit to do ben's mobile (laughs) number that's fine yeah that's fine so that's uh, Wednesday, 9pm, if you like tea, the Queen and football and live in the UK. That's 4pm on Wednesday if you support the Red Sox. And one in the afternoon for all you Dodgers fans, because Ben, you know me and I know you. And we just love all sports. Go sports. Go sports. Go sports. What are we doing today, Ben? Today is the first episode of season two. And season two, we wanted to do something close to our hearts. Is this actually season two? Probably. Yeah. By the time that this episode goes out, I will have changed everything to season one. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Okay. We're in season two. Do we do season two or do we do just the, do we not just do season numbers and just say this is the Askew Universe? Let's just do, let's do limited series, man. It's way cooler. Okay, cool. So this is the Askew Universe, which for those of you that don't know, is a series of universe connected uh, films made in the mid 90s all the way up to the mid 2000s by a very special man called Kevin Smith. Beautiful human. Incredible human. Yeah. 
I, I've been desperate to do Kevin Smith for a long time. Because you're a big fan, right? Huge fan. We'd, I was trying to figure out how to go about it, though, whether, whether it was just sort of like a quick spotlight on a director, whether it was mm-hmm. an in-depth look at every movie he's ever done, uh, which is obviously going to be the case given that we are the Every Movie Ever podcast. But for right now, we're going to be doing a limited series on just the Askew universe. Which I think is which I think is a good place to start with for anybody. I think that's where everyone starts with Kevin Smith, It's a Smith, sensible. Right? It's a sensible starting yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and today we're going to be looking at the fucking cult classic, which is mwah, Chef's Kiss, Fantastic Clerks. Clerks, which I'm going to struggle with because you and I always, well, invariably disagree mm-hmm. about the way words sound because you are oh, scum yeah. and I'm a normal person. No, I'm dyslexic. There's a difference. <laughs> don't, don't, don't play that card. Sure. Your, I wear glasses stomach. too if you want to have a crack at that as well, buddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, I should wear glasses, but I just can't. I just lose them too often. And I can't afford glasses, Ben. That's the, that's the honest truth. You happy now? I'm too poor to fill out my glasses subscription. I feel like I've really come up in the world. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. You are no longer... Well, no, you are still scum. Clerks. Uh, we're going to struggle because Clerks is pronounced Clerks because it's an American film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not going to be pronounced the correct British-English way of Clarks, which... Ben also doesn't understand. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because, as we've already established... You're scum. The film is not British, so <laughs> trying to be a little bit more cultural. I know it's hard for Brits to be cultural, but we're yeah. trying. Now, I'm, I'm, a little bit, I'm a little bit worried with, the, with, this, with this limited series on the Esk Universe and Kevin Smith because a little bit like Warcraft, this is a, a property that has incredibly dedicated, passionate fans... Mm-hmm. I mean, admittedly, it deserves them because these films are not only incredibly personal and funny and warm and all this sort of stuff, but they're the sort of film that feel like they're speaking only to you. 100%. But as a result, there are some incredibly passionate, incredibly knowledgeable, uh, dare I say, slightly um, rabid fans out there. Mm -hmm. And I kind of worry, as somebody who I enjoy the films, I, I watched them as I was growing up, but I was never, you know, I was never a complete and utter died in the wool dude. Mm. I just worry we're going to make mistakes. Yeah, of course we are. It's two British 30-somethings watching movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a personal opinion. There's, there's no fucking... We've done our research to the point where we're happy with it. If we're wrong, get, us, get in touch and fucking let us know. That'd be great. Actually, yeah. When we make incredible mistakes, just find us on social media and cyberbully us. That'd be great. Yeah. Just, just send a passive-aggressive messages. Or aggressive-aggressive. Either Free will's a thing. You know what I mean? You make the choice. No, it's, you it's do not. It's not. Death threats. Send death threats. <laughs> In, in, pre- in prep for this, I did actually try and seek out some of these hyper fans. I went to Reddit, found the Viewers Universe subreddit, and posed the question, we're doing a podcast on this topic, starting with Clerks, what do you recommend? And universally, everyone went, don't, don't do it. It is the most discussed, most known, most overdone film in history, which tells you a lot, because I would actually argue that there's lots of people out there who may have never seen this film and may not even know who Kevin Smith is. Uh, but they had some good feedback, and I'd like to take this opportunity to thank them for scaring me further. Cool. I think this film is its one of those things It means a lot to a lot of people, so it's a difficult movie to just sort of throw out in the wind and go, well, yeah, let's just break down this. True, 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 yeah. Like you said, it's a very personal movie, and it means a, it means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. So you start fucking with that, and then that's that's where you, you start running into trouble, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think we've decided with this one, we're not going to go into so much the, the history and the trivia, because mainly, if you've seen this film and you are an Universe fan, there's nothing that we can tell you that you won't already know. Mm. And if you haven't seen this series of films, then the trivia and history of it is going to mean 
absolutely nothing to you. It takes the fun away from it as well, man. Exactly. We're going to go into the whole to the whole universe. It takes the fun away. You get to build the foundation yourself. Yeah. Find out what it means to you because the Ask Universe, your Ask Universe experience is different to my Ask Universe experience. Yeah, completely. However, did you know, according to Reddit, that you can get Clerks trading cards on Upper Deck EPAC store under the Skypox brand? I did not. Well, now you do because I did some research on Reddit, mate. There you go. Wasn't that fascinating? <laughs> Isn't that what you come so. to this podcast for? Yeah, man. Yeah, I feel like a better person for knowing that now. So, should I give us a quick synopsis just to. Uh, get us all caught up to speed and everyone on the same page yeah a, a spoiler free ish synopsis that that people who haven't seen the film might actually benefit from hearing or a silly one yes okay lovely so the synopsis i got from the internet yep dante is called to cover a shift at his new jersey convenience store on his day off his yep. friend randall helps him to pass time neglecting his video store customers next door to hang out in the quick stop yep the uneventful day is disrupted by news that one of Dante's ex-girlfriends has died. After attending her memorial service, Dante muses over staying with his current girlfriend, Veronica, or reuniting with his ex, Caitlin. Yep, fair. That was the one that I found online. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's, it's very detail-oriented, where I, I, you could basically sum it up with two friends in dead-end jobs in a strip mall that work next to one another, <laughs> go through their day, and weird <laughs> shit happens, and mundane shit happens. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think this is really specific as well, because this has got like a few different kind of plot lines. Yeah. And when I say a few, I mean there's like... Well, it's structured into nine chunks, isn't it? In like yes. the circle of hell. He's called Dante because it's the... Yes. So this is my summation of the movie. Okay. It's a little bit spoilery. All right. But All right. I don't think I say anything that you're not going to get. It's fine. Well, well, tell me. And if it's too spoilery, I'll edit it out. Cool. Or bleep you. <laughs> All right. Wicked. A day in the life of two store clerks meandering their way through whatever is thrown at them. Today, for Dante, it just so happens to be an absent boss, fucked up shutters, a prior hockey commitment that can't be missed, Yep. finding out your girlfriend has sucked 37 dicks, including yours, Fair. trying to fix things up with your ex but finding out she's engaged, Fair. your buddy accidentally of another ex-girlfriend whilst attending her wake. Bleeping that one. Cool. Continue. The ex you've been trying to fix things up with shows up and acts a d in the and then your current girl finds out about you trying to fix things up fucker so you also you're not even supposed to be here today also also go on two of the most iconic self-assured and self-aware drug dealers just enjoying life cinema will ever give you that's true, actually. Mm -hmm. That's actually quite true. Mm. Uh, I'm bleeping at least half of that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever was bleeped, just know mm -hmm. that it was fantastic. It was fantastic, and it, <laughs> it, it required you to, to see this film. I'm sort of keeping back a bit of the mystery so that when you watch this for yourselves, which you all should if you haven't, mm -hmm. it still surprises you. It still surprises you. How old were you when you watched this, Ben? I was 13. 2002? Yes. Yeah, so that was eight years after it came out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the kind of age you should see it at, I think. I didn't really have a choice in this because I grew up in a small town with a penchant for rock music, yeah. smoking pot, yeah. and skating. So there was a very limited social scene for myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There were a few guys and girls that you hung out with and there wasn't much in the way of popular culture that you guys could talk about that was aimed or even catered for you. 
There was about 11 of us that ranged from the age of 13 to about 19. Yeah. And everyone was equal. Everyone was there to get Are stoned. Are you just talking about the plot of the beach? Skate. No, no, no. <laughs> I hate that no one, like, grabbed me by the shoulders, shook me, and was like, this is the stuff that you're going to be reminiscing about for the rest of your life. I mean, you're making it sound like utopia, to be honest. Everyone was, everyone was equal... Oh, you make so much more sense now. Now that I know Honestly, you man. didn't hanging around bus stops. It was the it's the best thing. I had no responsibilities. I hadn't. Yeah. Uh, mobile phones weren't a thing. Well, they were, but like parents Barely. had them. Yeah, parents had them, and you weren't allowed one because they were expensive. It was like a Motorola brick with a fucking yeah. camera that rotated three sixty degrees. Didn't even Not... have a camera, man. It was T nine texting on a single line of LCD nice. shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And so there was no way of sort of getting in touch with your friends unless you used the house phone. And that involved the risk of like maybe speaking to their parents, which you didn't want to do. So everyone would just find a spot in town mm-hmm. where your tribe would hang out. And it was tribal. You'd have yeah. the goth kids, the alt kids, the skater kids, the chab mm-hmm. kids. And they'd all have their own little territory and their own people. And it would literally, the ages would range from like 12 to 20. Yeah. And you, would, you didn't pick who you hung out with. It was just who had turned up that afternoon. Mm-hmm. And you sort of learn shit from each other. And I think this film, not less this film, but more Dogma for me, Dogma and uh, Chasing Amy mm-hmm. was sort of part of the culture of that group of people. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing, you know, I, I was, whilst watching this, I was sort of thinking about before the internet, before uh, the communication that we have now, if you liked a thing, it was very possible that it was only you that liked that thing. Yes. When I'll we were growing up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I can see that. I can see that. And so if, if, if you were a Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. you might have other friends that liked Star Wars, but it always felt like no one liked it as much as you. Sometimes, about certain things. Until you met that other dude who did like Star Wars as much as yes. you, and that was a whole bonding thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like Clerks, as a film, is riddled with hundreds of little, touch, little cultural touchstones Yeah. that at the time felt like, only me and my mates know about this thing. It was a secret club. It was, yeah. a, it was, a, it was the, you had the cool, you go to school, you've got the cool kids sitting in, in the fucking cafeteria at one end. And then you've got like, we, we used to call, well, we were the Grebos. I don't know yeah, whether that yeah, translates, yeah, yeah. you know. We were, we were accused of being uh, Grebos, but we self-identified as the goths, even though yeah. half of them were skaters, half of us were into punk. Like, I can just imagine you like being like the goth kids from South Park. So, basically, yeah. Basically, exactly that. <laughs> Although I, I was very, very picky because there was like, especially in the early 2000s, there was goth people like myself who were into like Deftones, Tool, Nine Inch Nails. Mm, mm-hmm. And then there were like the interview with the vampire cunts. Uh, and I never had any time for those The pretentious ones. Like the, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Edgar Allan Poe's yeah. spirit animal. And they oh, wear man. like lacy shirts and shit. Yeah, we didn't they have that, They could always man. get fucked. Yeah, Dude, I was yeah. too small town for that. We had two, we had two groups. We had Grebos and Townies. Townies yeah. were your chavs. Rebos were anyone that wore a black t-shirt. Oh, 100%. (laughs) So when I I was coming up, uh, there was was a couple of guys that we used to go skating with. And I remember remember the time that I first watched this. It was, we went to go buy some draw. Sorry, some what? Draw. What's draw? So like coloring pens and shit? No, draw is like uh, like solids. Hashish. Resin. Oh, oh, we're talk- oh, sorry. We're talking about uh, jazz tobacco. About yeah, the devil's the lettuce. Devil's lettuce. Gigglebush. 
Except for it wasn't okay, bush, yeah. it was the giggle solids. Marijuana, marijuana's and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. But so it you was went to go and buy from, some. Yeah, it was like early two thousands, but it was so it was like forty percent made of car tire. Yeah, it's hash. Yeah, yeah, yeah so hash. Yeah. But it, it's like it was that cheap, horrible shit that was like a fiver for an eighth. But because it was a fiver for an eighth, hell yeah, gotcha. Uh, and me and my buddy from school were just sitting there, and we were so fucking like drawn into what the fuck was going on this was an mm. eye-opener right because bear in mind being 13 up yeah. until that point like what have you got like fucking School. jurassic park et the 80s movies like breakfast yeah, yeah. club and shit like indiana this jones on. indiana jones star wars yeah and that's what movies were and then yeah. you have this this little black and white movie that is nothing but cerebral and it's just conversation about the most fucking weird specific scenarios that yeah. are also the most relatable things that exist. Oh, 100%. I would say cerebral might be a bit of a stretch. But, I mean, uh, come on. Some at of the times, fucking, yeah. I'm yeah. telling you now, right? 13 years old, literally like dyslexic as shit. And the, oh, yeah, the, there's no the doubting title that, scenes and shit? Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no doubting that, that, that there are, I would say 50% of this film is incredibly well-balanced, thoughtful, yeah. realistic, human... Um, what's the word? Like human dilemma and human drama and, and relatable. It's mundane and it's normal, but it's uh, you know human drama. And then yeah. the other half is dick jokes and uh, and and vulgarity, and that's kind of what makes it work. Yeah, I was literally just about to say the the other half is literally Jay tapping Silent Bob on the dick three times to make yeah. it dance. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It was a weird. It's a weird thing because I I rewatching this for the podcast. I seen it a few times i watched it like you uh, around about the same age and essentially got the dick jokes the vulgarity and the sort of artsiness of it yeah um but you know it was it was what it was i enjoyed dogma more because i thought it was making a point and i was angry about all the same things so i liked <laughs> the fact that it was attacking the church blah, blah, blah. yeah yeah Rewatching it um as an early 30s person not really remembering it well enough to n- expect it I was really, really struck by uh, quite how meaningful a film it is and quite how well pitched, uh, how well sort of pitched the writing really is of this film. Mm. Um, Because I think watching it as a teenager, we were doing part-time shitty jobs in, you know, corner shops and all that sort of stuff. And we were cynical and we were like, oh, fuck the world, this, that, or the other. But rewatching it, having come out the other side of that and being part of the sort of working uh, capitalist hellscape that is the UK for however long, mm-hmm. really fucking hit time. Dude, when this film came out, I was working in a shitty little market. Uh, like it, was called, it used to be called Spencer's Mall. Right. Spencer's Mall in Telford was like the back building behind the town centre. So the town centre is a nice big shopping centre where all yeah, the yeah. fancy shops are. Spencer's Mall was where, like, the, you know, like, the small-time traders. There was about 30 or 40 stores. I know the sort of place well. There was Plymouth had one called the Pannier Market, yeah. Yeah, you can go to the flea market in Birmingham, and it is it is like that, but not as expensive, not as fancy, and always had, like, a weird damp smell to it. Yep, But if I you wanted, well. if you wanted a tattoo, a fucking watch battery, Cheap a washing budgie. machine, mate, you could go and get, a, like, a guinea pig. Yep. If you wanted to buy a bong... You would go and visit Bongs R Us, which is where I had my first job. <laughs> no way. Your At first job. My first was job in a, was Bongs in Bongs R Us. Bongs R Us. That Everything was it. makes sense. It's all fallen into place. Mate, this point, Magic Mushrooms were still legal. 
Jesus, fuck yeah. We were able to sell magic mushrooms over the counter. No. Mm -hmm. Guess who took them home? When they were about to go out of date. It's all making sense now. Yeah, buddy. Your yeah, early development buddy. being influenced by slightly gone off magic mushrooms. Oh, man. Just a couple of days out, but it was they were still good. You know what I mean? They were still fucking... Mm, yeah. They were still fun. They've not, they've not affected you at all. Yeah. See, I'm golden. <laughs> <laughs> Doing nothing but being productive with my time. Exactly. I was working there and like after school, uh, yep. in, right through to like evenings and then weekends and shit. And then watching this movie, I was like, I ha I'm that... Like, yeah. I'm in a job where I'm, like, earning fuck all. I'm kind of wasting loads of time there. I get called in to do shit that I don't want to do. Yep. Uh, the magic mushrooms are fun. No doubt no doubt that you related to it. I definitely did, too, because I was the same. I was working in uh, either a Martin McCall's or a Virgin Megastores. But when you rewatched it this week, mm -hmm. was there anything about the film that struck you that you realized you wouldn't have taken from it when you watched it at that age i watching it now it's weird because i watched the film and i'm like this is my mindset yep the end how the movie wraps itself up by randall who is the laid-back easygoing fucking completely easy. straightforward he's a your randall he i fucking love that guy he's my spirit animal but he's a yep. dickhead because he doesn't see the point in being anything but literal Cynical. and to yeah. the point and fucking this is what it is. Why we're beating yep. around the bush, right? Yep. Back when I was like 14, 15, I was blaming everyone and everything. And, oh, it's your fault. It's this fault. Oh, I'm so sad because of this, that, and the other. You know, the fucking 2005 stereotypical emo phase. You know what I mean? Yep. And then this movie just, it slapped. It's, it's Randall accepting his life being shit for his decisions. Yeah. And then trying to fucking slap it out of. Uh, Dante's mouth. But for the benefit of the listener, uh, towards the end of the film, there is a, 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 a conflict between the two best friends. And one of the main sort of themes of the film is that Dante, our main character, is is working today when he wasn't shipped to be and isn't supposed to be there. And I think the the reply that Randall gives is worth playing to people who perhaps may not have seen this film. Uh, so for the benefit of the listener, here is Randall's response to Dante's continual bitching about not having to be there today. I'm not even supposed to be here today! Oh, fuck you! Fuck you, pal! Jesus, there you go, trying to pass the buck. I'm the source of all your misery. Who closed the store to play hockey? Who closed the store to go to a wake? Who tried to win back his ex-girlfriend without even discussing how he felt with his present one? You want to blame somebody? Blame yourself. I'm not even supposed to be here today. You sound like an asshole. Jesus, nobody twisted your arm to be here. You're here of your own volition. You like to think the weight of the world rests on your shoulder, like this place would fall apart if Dante wasn't here. Jesus, you overcompensate for having what's basically a monkey's job. You push fucking buttons. Anybody could waltz in here and do our jobs. You, you're so obsessed with making it seem so much more epic, so much more important than it really is. Christ, you work in a convenience store, Dante. And badly, I might add. I work in a shitty video store. Badly as well. You know, that guy Jay's got it right, man. He has no delusions about what he does. Us, we like to make ourselves seem so much more important than the people that come in here to buy a paper or, God forbid, cigarettes. We look down on them as if we're so advanced. Well, if we're so fucking advanced, what are we doing working here? So, with that being said, though, that watching that now, it's fucking... I was just sort of like, holy shit, that's my mindset. Like, back mm -hmm. then, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore, and it's my fault, so I yep. need to go and do something about it. Yep. And I did. Yeah. And I went off and did something. I didn't like it. That was fine. I went off and thought, fuck it, I'll try studying. And I moved to London, yep. went to uni, met you, 
and was like, fuck it, this isn't for me. I mean, after meeting me, I can see why. Yeah, fuck, I was out of there, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I had a great time. Like, I think you and yeah. George were the main reason that I was there for as long as I was. And Alex. Alex was a fucking diamond. But yeah, so the, the uni thing didn't work out. The blah, blah, fast forward fucking a decade and a half. And I'm in a, a job that I enjoy. Yeah. And I'm working on shit that I want to work on. And it's yeah. all because of like moments like this where it makes you take accountability 100 percent, 100 percent. i've recently uh I've, you know i spent from the age of 13 14 when i was in bands doing fucking marilyn manson and slipknot covers mm-hmm. uh screaming my screaming my fucking head off in local pubs mm-hmm. uh wanted to be in music doing music making music all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and i've done that and i've sort of not not it's not been what i expected and i've not got what i expected out of it in terms of stability and and savings blah, 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 blah. and i'm now sort of recently only recently now looking at the fact that i can complain as much as i want and yeah. i can bitch and moan and talk yeah, about yeah. how this that or the other but if i'm not doing anything to change it then whose fucking fault is it exactly dude yeah. it's it i mean it didn't click with me like how fucking important little things like this would be mm-hmm. back in the day i yeah. really wish that i could fucking just go back and understand you know what i mean like the 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 different moments that nah. mean shit because i think the thing is is that the moments that mean shit mean shit in hindsight because you didn't at the time i guess i, th- yeah. I think if you knew it at the time you wouldn't like i, I have so I wouldn't I can, be I can present look... right you wouldn't yeah, exactly. you wouldn't be present in the moment yeah. you'd be thinking this is going to mean something i need yeah, to remember exactly. it my fav- my favorite anecdotes of of chaos and 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 calamity that have happened on nights out mm-hmm. have happened because I was completely unaware of how incredibly wrong everything. Do you remember that time that me and you went out drinking in Camden and uh, I had travelled down to see you? Decided to try out what a flat cap would look like on a night out, and oh as I went God, for a yes. piss, stood in a urinal, you know the long urinals, yeah, and you knocked the hat off my head. Into the urinal. Into the urinal, soaked yeah. in piss. Yeah. And then put it under the tap. Yeah. And then just left without taking a piss. Like that yeah. was your only, there was not a word spoken. The only reason I came into the bathroom, yeah. Yeah, there was no other reason for you to be there. You just ran in, yeah. put my hat in a pile of piss, then yeah. put it in the sink and then left. And that yeah. was it. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I can't be sure, but mm-hmm. knowing myself, mm-hmm. the plan would have been to have followed you in there, knock sure. your hat into end, the urinal. End the story there. End the no, story no, there. Knock the hat into the <laughs> urinal and then just turn around and leave. But yeah. I know that as soon as I would have done it, yeah, yeah. I'd have been confronted with the reality of what I'd done. <laughs> felt a bit bad. So gone, I'll wash that. And then as I'm washing it, go, but now it's not funny anymore. So I yeah. guess I'll just leave. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. 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 And if at the time I'd mm. realized that we would be talking about it on a podcast with six, 700 listeners uh-huh. 20 years later... Maybe I wouldn't have done it. I certainly wouldn't have found it funny. Would have fucking... This wouldn't have happened. If you hadn't have done that, I don't think we would have been here today. Because I, I wouldn't respect you as much as I do now if you hadn't have done that. Ooh, I'd, mm, it is a weird it's thing. It's a weird yeah. thing. It's a weird thing. Because it's the way you handled it after. This is a whole different conversation. But the way you yeah. handled it after was very gentlemanly and very noble. And you held your hands up and was like, I was a dick. I'm going to buy you a new hat. And then you did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like immediately. Sometimes it just goes too far. Yeah. The yeah. morning after you got me a new hat and it was a lovely hat. Yeah. It lasted a very long time. So I was, I did a bit of research and I always like to do this. I always like to sort of try and do a bit of Googling and figure out when a film came out, what was going on around it. Okay. And so 1994, 1993, it was being made, 1994, it came out. Uh, 
you had eight to about eight or twelve alternative rock albums, top number one Billboard chart. You had Nine Inch Nails, Weezer, Soundgarden, Nirvana, um, In Utero came out, Pablo, Pablo Honey by Radiohead oh came out. God. Pixies were on an album like three or four, right? Imagine that being life. Imagine that being life. Yeah, just imagine right? imagine that being like top of the pops. Yeah. Like, Contemporary yeah. music, you could see these bands play at festivals together. God, that's fucked. So there was definitely that sort of vibe going on culturally in music, but you contrast that to the top grossing movies of 1993. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, The Fugitive, okay. The Firm, Sleepless mm-hmm. in Seattle, Mrs. Okay. Doubtfire, Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone was one of the yeah. top 10 grossing films. Now, they're not bad films, yeah, but I'm just saying they're not realism. It's glam rock spectacle. Jurassic Park know. is glam I mean, rock spectacle. Oh, like golden oldie formulas like Sleepless in Seattle. It's, yeah. it's not films about messy reality. It's films about beautiful people in unique situations. Did your dad not dress up as a Scottish housekeeper just to stay in contact with you? Uh, I think he may have dressed up as a Scottish housekeeper to deliberately not stay in contact with me. I'm not sure. Yeah. You forget, you and I are the same. We are both... Uh, I can't think of... <laughs> Yeah, maybe not orphans. Maybe no, not no, no. orphans. That was a shit joke. Let's move on. Let's move. Let's edit that one out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, there wasn't movies. There wasn't culture about what you and I and people in this era were living through. I agree. This was quite. This was like quite punk rock in a sense, where it comes out. It's shot in black and white for fuck's sake, because that's the film they could afford. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It's a massive fuck you. It's like a, it's a gorilla. Me and me and my little. I say little, me and my group of friends in yep. that period of time yep. were the the rebels of the small town. It was us collectively putting a, a middle finger up saying, fuck you. I just want to, I just want to enjoy myself. I don't want to fucking focus on running around like yep. clambering after small change and, and rushing I don't to get respect a mortgage what you stand shit. for. Exactly. Fuck yep. what you stand for. I just want to be happy. Yep. That was our main standpoint. And we saw ourselves as this weird little guerrilla army if one person had a problem everyone had a problem yeah. if one person was happy everyone was fucking happy you know what i mean 100 one person showed up with the, with beers everyone had beers if one person showed up with pot everyone smoked yeah it was just a fucking it was a wonderful just a beautiful weird little anti-society in society i think i will always miss uh and i, I realized this uh in recent years I never got into skating because skateboards were expensive. The shoes were expensive. Couldn't Mm -hmm. afford to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that rather than it being a good thing that I couldn't do, it was a bad thing that I didn't want to do. And everyone that liked it or did it was a wanker, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Rude, but we'll continue. Uh, It was the same with sports uh, like football or going to the gym or all that sort of stuff. It was like, if I can't do it, I'm not Mm going to admit that. I'm going to pretend to myself instead that I don't want to do it or that it's not worth doing. Yeah. Okay. And then, sort of early thirties, I'm sat there going, "I am a stationary person who lives a completely inactive existence," because apparently, when I was fourteen, I decided that people like I was going to rebel by not doing exercise, and like, who's watching? Who cares? Yeah, no one. I'm the the only figure of authority left in my life is myself. So when I'm <laughs> yeah. rebelling, I'm literally just <laughs> sticking middle fingers in my own face, going, "Yeah, fuck you, authority. I'm not going to yeah. go to bed yet. Yeah, I know it's four a.m. and I've got shit to do in the morning, but fuck you. I'm a punky rebel. I know that I've got B cup tits, but donuts taste delicious at three a.m. Exactly. Yeah, right. I'm in. I'm, in, I'm 33, and I'm in the exact same boat. Yeah. 
No one cares. No one's watching. No one's. No one's. We're not getting marks for yeah, still being. No rebel. one's applauding. No one's doing anything. I think that's part of my nostalgia for this for this era was that there was or there were structures to rebel against. Yeah, it course. was school. It was your parents. It was society saying that you should listen to your guidance counselor and get a job exporting paper plates in an office and all that sort of shit. I was like, no, I'm going to join a band, dude. Our fucking loitering spot and our skate spot was the magistrates' courts. <laughs> <laughs> no way. small town it was, it was the courts that's where we hung out you, you talk to anyone in their their like late 20s early 30s and you yep. mention the courts from if you ever meet anyone from telford just mention the courts they know exactly what you're talking about yeah. it, in, in any context what happened to that little tribal system that we sort of lived in it does it, it still happen now it's it it's sort of branched off into its own little subcultures i think i think some people were like some people were like, I'm fucking putting my middle finger up and I'm saying I hate this and I hate that and I hate this. Like, yep. I can't do anything about it, but I can just go be happy doing something else. Or I can try and chase happiness being doing something else and trying different things and blah, blah. And other people stay true to the cause, you know, that's fucking awesome. Fair play to them. And they're they're happy, I think. Are they uh, or are they just crackheads now? I'm not sure. I think it's a mixture of both. Some of them did go the crack route. I've bumped into a couple of people that I used to hang out with back in the day, and they are they are like full blown ah, uh, yeah. crack fiends, which is yeah. fair. You know, yeah, if that's what you want to do. More power to you. Yeah. Have fun. I'm sure. I, I hear. I hear good things about crack. Yeah. I mean, dentists have got dentists got to work. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. And also, let's be fair. <laughs> I I really enjoy. Like, what's a, what's a thing that you really enjoy? You're vegan, right? So you really like. Um... Right now, I'm yeah. sober. I'm vegan. Mm-hmm. And I really, really enjoy. This is gonna make me sound sad as shit. Uh, donuts, donuts, right? Donut. Okay. Mm. So, uh, if you had uh, two pound fifty mm-hmm. of money in your yep. life at all, you had your rent due, you yeah. had bills you had to pay. Yeah, I'm buying you a donut. You're buying a donut, yeah, right? 100%. That's how good donuts are. Yeah. If it was also illegal and it was killing you, and you mm. had no teeth and no libido, and you lived mm-hmm. on the street. Mm-hmm. If you're still buying a donut, it must be a pretty good fucking donut. And that's... Oh, these donuts are the best. I'd buy a yeah. donut, 100%. So you, yeah, exactly. That's, a, that's exactly what I think I'd go as far around. as till I'm like... and I think my cut-off point for donuts would be mm-hmm. me physically toothless yep. giving gummy blowjobs behind a KFC in exchange for donuts. I would Does probably call it a day have to be a KFC? What if I mean, it were a Burger The co-op's King? fancy, man. The competition around there is it's tough. Co-op's not fancy. I, it doesn't smell like chicken grease. I think I'd stand a better chance with, like behind the KFC than the co-op. Chicken cottage? Chicken cottage? I mean, I don't know. I don't think that that's going to send out the right people. I think that, that attracts a certain type of customer. Fair enough. Choice yeah. between your site or donuts? Right now? Yeah. It'd be my site, 100%. Be my, I'm not silly about it. Go back at, like when I'm not sober and ask me about... What do you mean when you're not sober? You're sober, you're smashing it. There's not going to be a time when you're not sober. No, no, no. Go back to when I wasn't sober oh, okay, and I yeah. was like in the thralls of whatever fucking... You enthusiasm. Know, substances. Yeah, enthusiasms that were yeah, about. Yeah. Hobbies. And ask me that question. Then, you know, it'd be a harder decision. It's obviously going to be the site now. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just really fucking boring now, to be honest with you, man. There's nothing that really gets my gears going. This is why I'd sit around and watch movies and play video games and drink inordinate amounts of coffee. Oh, yeah, none taken, mate. None taken, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, Vision or your donuts? 
Uh, I don't give a shit about donuts, if I'm honest. I, your I, vision or your vices? What are you saying? Uh, I've got a couple of vices, but if I lump them together, I would still pick my vision. Because vices are good and all, right? But I think I think there's a I think my attachment to them has always been in a clerk's kind of way. They've been my way of differentiating myself from everyone else. It's that thing of like, I'm cool because I've got these vices and I'm comfortable with them. And Mm -hmm. you've got them and you're not comfortable with them or you don't have them at all because you're square and normal. And they've been a little badge of identity. And I feel like my inner Randall has just turned around and gone dude, like at a certain point, you have to choose different things and grow up, right? You have to change as a person and identify yourself through different things. Is it unhappiness or is it like a desire to grow, you know? like Not really, because he he accepts his flaws and that like, look, I do my job shittily and I go and rent fucking hermaphroditic porn, but he's fine with it. You know what I mean? Like he's not sitting around whinging about it. I think, oh, the point, I think the... I've been I think I've been Randall for the last ten years. It's just I can feel my inner needles shifting towards Dante. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone hits Dante at some point, give or take. Yeah. But everyone's Randall at some point to give or take. I think that's what makes it so personable. Everyone's mm. fucking Jay at some point, you know what I mean? So, clerks, we you and I both gone on about how much we love it. Mm-hmm. What are your criticisms of it? Um, Let's say I've never seen any Kevin Smith film. I've never seen okay. any films except blockbuster, Marvel movie, this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to this podcast and I've decided I'm going to watch it. What are the things that you think uh, would be a difficult sticking point for this viewer? You can tell that this is a film made very early in his career. Obviously, it's his first movie. But if you've never seen or never, or you don't know anything about it, you will know that it is someone's very first movie. Yeah, it's very much a student film. Yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a film student's film, but I think it's the best fucking type of film school that you can do. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's it's sack it's, off the school and go make a movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he funded this film by taking out loads of credit cards, uh, yeah. maxing them out, selling his comic book collection, shooting it at night at the place he worked. It's it's fantastic what he's achieved, but nonetheless, it's a student's first film with his mates acting in it, and not all of his mates are fantastic actors. Uh, the sound is not always fantastic and it's in black and white because that's the only film stock that they could afford. Like, it's not a pretty I, film. I love that it's in black and white. I think I think that makes it oh, no, more same. aesthetically pleasing for me. I wouldn't call I, that as like a negative or like a No, no, no. I think, I, think it, I think it's thematically useful because unlike his later films, this one's quite melancholy in its, in its tone and its mood. And the black and white really helps sort of build that sense of malaise and sadness and frustration and you know yeah so the black and white isn't a downside it's just if you weren't used to black and white indie films from 1994 it's going to be a a sticking point perhaps i think some of some of the uh cinematography is a little shaky some of the camera works a little shaky but it, it i mean you're being very to, generous yeah it adds to the feel of it though it adds to the home movie relatability that yeah. i i think the reason that i loved it i loved watching it again is the black and white makes it seem more nostalgic it makes me really? feel like when I like back in the day when I saw it, I, the black and white wasn't jarring or and it, it didn't really mean anything. I was just sort of like, oh, hmm. it's a fucking black and white movie. But now I yeah. watch it, it's like, it's, it sounds stupid, but you know when you watch an old movie that you saw yeah. when you were a kid, yeah, like Sunday afternoon, Sunday yeah. afternoon. You you I, when, when I say a kid, I mean like a like a kid kid. You know, yeah, your yeah, mom yeah. is settled in to watch a fucking to watch a yeah, film yeah. at four p.m. 
And it's like Gone with the Wind or Casablanca or some shit like that. Yeah, old school. Yeah, old school cinema. And you sit down and you're watching it. For me, it was always um, like an old 1950s sci-fi. Nice. Um, uh, Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet was great. Uh, the Incredible Shrinking Man. This kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And it just it reminds me of that, and it makes me feel I don't know warm and fuzzy. But back in the day, it didn't make me feel like that. I think the older I get, the more I appreciate the black and white. You see, it's an interesting one because I don't, I don't get that from the black and white. But I do get, I do get um, from the sort of shit cinematography and the mm-hmm. the shit acting and the, this that and the other. It's it sort of transcends. I'm never I never forget the fact that I'm watching a film because I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't forget the fact that I'm watching a film. Yeah. And so what I'm doing instead is I'm consciously and like very aware of the fact that I'm watching a film and always analysing why has this person written this bit of script to say this why have they shot it this way why have they done that okay okay i can see what you're saying like a like an almost like a how-to not even no not like a how-to like so for instance the film's a series of vignettes right there's like yeah, a yeah. unconnected narrative moments so the jizz mopper scene where yeah, yeah. randall and dante are just there talking about the job where um you go into a nudie booth and there's a guy's job to clean the windows of of come after you've left right yeah yeah and then the customer's like oh this is disgusting i'm going to complain but his items in his hand are um glass cleaner and um uh paper towels yeah. and shit like that yeah, yeah, yeah and it's very clearly like that's his job and he's offended by it but because it's so poorly shot and so poorly like you know put together i'm sort of rather than just watching it and going oh it's a funny bit i'm going why why make that joke why this that the other and it's it's consciously in there because the jizz mopper guy is an audience surrogate for the people who are going to watch it and complain about the vulgarity. Yeah. Kevin Smith's put that guy in there to complain about the vulgarity and be shown as a hypocrite. I get you. It's little moments like that where like, because the film's so poorly put together, I'm constantly trying to figure out why Kevin Smith has done what he does. I get you. Man, that's a good way to look at that moment. I took that slightly differently. I took that as Randall looking at a customer being like okay this guy's got fucking windex and paper towels in his arm yeah yeah and then starts talking about oh hey did you know that, that there's a job called a cum mopper you know they oh, clean so he's the doing it as like a deliberate insult like to a, the customer yeah 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 like a deliberate thing as if to be sort of like every item that this guy has in his hands making makes him look like a cum mopper and so randall spots this and then in a in a in a play to be like humorous towards dante it's yeah. like hey this job exists this is what they use uh, and then as ah. they're talking about it, Dante's ringing up this guy's equipment, which is everything that a cum ah. would need. But that's interesting that, that like you took it that way because that is... I literally, whilst I watched this film, yeah. every every vignette that, 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 that was happening, yeah, I was yeah, sort yeah. of analysing as like, obviously when you, when you make your first bit of art, you've had your whole life to make it. Yeah, yeah right? definitely. You're always thinking about how it's going to be perceived and what mm-hmm. people are going to take from it. And you've only got one chance to say all this stuff because you don't know it's going to succeed as far as the everyone making this film was aware this was going to be their one shot to say shit yeah and so every vignette i'm like why is this in there and what what is what are they trying to tell me about themselves uh with this vignette so for instance the the video scene where he's uh he's got the young mother who's walked in and asked for a particular (laughs) film and he's like oh let me see if i can order it and then he picks up the phone, <laughs> rings the distributor, and then just lists like 40 incredibly vulgar I mean, pornography VHSs. Can we, just a bit of context. Randall's on the phone with his video supplier. There is Shall a we mother, play the clip? Please play the clip. 
Okay, let's play the clip. Here we go. Excuse me. Did you sell videotapes? Yeah, what are you looking for? Happy Scrappy Hero Pop. Uh, one second. I'm on the phone with the distribution house now. Let me make sure they got it. Okay. What's it called again? Happy Scrappy Hero Pop. Happy Scrappy. She loves it. Obviously. Uh, yeah, hi. This is RST Video Calling. Customer number 4352. I'd like to place an order. Okay, I need one each of the following tapes. Whispers in the Wind. To each his own. Put it where it doesn't belong. My pipes need cleaning. All tit fucking volume eight. I need your cock. Ass worshiping rim jobbers. My cut and eight shafts. Come clean. Come gargling naked sluts. Come buns three. Coming in socks. Come on Eileen. Huge black cocks with pearly white cum. Girls who crave cock. Girls who crave cunt. Met alone too, the KY connection. Pink pussy lips. Oh yeah, and uh, all holes filled with hard cock. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, what was that called again? And there we go. How, I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But do you not? But do you not? Is there not a bit of you that sits there and goes, "Why? Why is that in there? What's what's the what's the underlying like message of that scene being there?" I think it's to illustrate Randall's complete lack of any sort of fucking shame or social surprise. Shame, yeah. any sort of like care in the world towards what people think of him or his establishment or his job or his work ethic or his yeah. customer base. Yeah, he is he's complete he's like truth incarnate. He is the awkward he is the awkward truth and the uncaring, unvarnished reality. Yeah. Made manifest. He doesn't give a shit. It's not his responsibility to make other people feel good about the world. Yeah, yeah. If you don't and, like it, don't look at it. Yeah. And he has he doesn't need anyone's respect or validation, so he's not going to make any moves towards earning it yeah fuck no so it's like a it's an essential and necessary character moment and i think every film i i occasionally if i'm really enjoying it and i'm watching it for the second or third time i'll start trying to like dissect why why it works and what's in there and why it's in there Mm -hmm. and i think this more than any other film the the homemadeness of it really brought that to the fore man look at silent bob silent bob in this movie has one bit of dialogue to your point doing that we've also got these two fucking almost characters on the very edge just on the outside they're They're incredible living their own life doing their own thing almost like they kind of interact every now and then yeah they're like a greek chorus they're like the yeah yeah yeah. they're like the (laughs) the sort of really poetic way of putting it yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> but they're, they're just you know they're not they're they're Rosenkrantz and Guildenstern they're just there on the outside of the events sort of reacting to what's happening without really taking part in what's happening it's the best writing oh they're incredible dude I've never fucking known anything like this I think the bit where they come back from Dante's ex-girlfriend's wake I'm not going to mention what happens because it's amazing but they're like <laughs> Jay interrupts a conversation and they, they're like why don't you fucking get out of here you, you dirty drug dealer always everybody's like hey man i'm not a drug dealer or jay's like hey man i'm not i'm not dealing drugs <laughs> and then at that point someone comes up hey man what you got and he's like yeah brother what's, what you after what does you a deal in you the middle of high? the sentence and then goes back to so why would you accuse me of dealing drugs yeah yeah, yeah. like immediately it's fucking it is wonderful wonderful fucking addition just for no reason for yeah. seemingly no reason well the thing is that these two characters jay and silent bob are one of the main uh sort of uh, components that tie this series of films together mm-hmm. and the way they're used and the way they are changes throughout the series of films and we'll get into it because i think it's fascinating how they 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 evolve 
but uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Silent Bob is played by Kevin Smith, the writer director, mm-hmm. uh, and Jay is his childhood friend Jason Mewes, who's just an incredible comedic genius without even trying. But I think what's fantastic about them is they're ridiculous and they are sublime at the same time. Like Jay is obnoxious and horrible and juvenile and like goofy, vo- goofy and incredibly lovable all at the same time. Yeah, he's the lovable worst person you've ever met. He's exactly that. He's exactly yeah. that. He's just an like a charming mess of a person. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and uh, the way that Kevin Smith uses Silent Bob is 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 genius, especially at the end of this film. The, the fucking Jay is the best. He's the best attribute of every negative attribute <laughs> that exists, right? That's that's, that's his embodiment. Yeah, yeah. Every every guy in your hometown that you didn't get on with, yes, he's that combined with long a hair, real person, an long hair, a backwards and... cap, and a fucking pocket full of pocket full of drugs, right? But but lovable, but in incredibly every way. lovable, and also yeah. steals donuts. Yeah. So yeah. his moral his moral meter is all over the fucking shop, right? Oh, he's just there to enjoy himself and have a good time. Yeah, he's un- he's unabashedly what what's that word? Amoral. I guess. Yeah. He's unashamedly. Unashamedly, there we go. Amoral. Unashamedly himself. There's yeah. no one to yeah, apologize yeah. to. There's no there's no fucking about. Nah. Silent Bob, however, is like he is he's like the ultimate hype man without ever saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. never a single word but always just willing to contribute to whatever is going on around him with enthusiasm and grace you i mean there's so few people on the planet that can be that comedically intellectual with zero said with no no fucking words i mean you're looking at like rowan atkinson is obviously like mr bean he's popular the world because he doesn't utter a word but is still fucking hilarious um yeah but it's it's that sort of it's it's that arena of like oh yeah that arena of like visual and physical comedy but it's universal comedy yeah 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 100%. you don't have to speak english to understand silent bob's no. like, what he's trying to say or what no. his meaning is behind stuff or why he's doing certain things or like just, the cultural of that area or exactly. of that country or era no it's it literally just exists it's universal it's the world round it's fucking everyone can relate to silent yeah. bob and then when he fucking turns out to be this wise as fuck dante is in like the the whole the end of the movie, Dante is in like the peak of conflict. Fuck, I'm yeah. I'm dating one girl. I want to get back with another girl. Doesn't know what to do. I'm, peak conflict for his character arc. Does it totally fucked? Totally fucked. And Silent Bob just pops out, stands there, and the first time he opens his mouth was the shortest bit of dialogue in the movie. But it is so fucking poignant and just seemingly solves Dante. Just just play it, man. Just, just play, play it. it. Here we go. You know, there's a million fine looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Come on, lame dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's right. I love her. And with that, he fucking solves Dante's like yeah. entire crises in one sentence. Just cuts right through it. It's and insane. again, because he because he for the entire film he's just been an observer and he's been one who's outside the the corner shop, yeah, uh, selling drugs, not talking, and he hangs around with the absolute fucking lovable moron that is jay it's the last source that you expect any sort of conflict resolution or wisdom yeah, to come yeah. from and it hits you like a blindside it's genius but i mean with all this being said we've gone into like a shitload of what we love and why we love it and mm-hmm. the, the nostalgia and what it means to us personally and stuff like that the main takeaway 
from this movie that everyone needs to understand is that they did the Family Guy cutaway before Family Guy did the Family Guy cutaway. Oh, hell yeah. They did, oh, yeah. The main thing that like Family Guy is famous for, especially within like my group of friends, when Family Guy first came about, they were like, the cutaways are fucking insane. The cutaway funny. joke was the, was the comedic innovation of Family Guy. That was it. Right. It was The Simpsons with comedic cutaways. Yeah, and this movie did it a decade before, and it did it so fucking well. I would argue that this movie and and the whole universe of movies that it belongs to Mm -hmm. is, without these movies, there's no Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen, um, Bridesmaids, uh, Pineapple Express, that whole sort of style of comedy. Freaks and Geeks, man. Freaks and Geeks. That whole 2010s comedy that -hmm. became completely dominated the box office yeah. was prototyped in this film and the ones we're about to cover on this podcast. Well, this film literally stands up in in front of, you know, classic 80s cinema, huge fucking blockbusters that are coming out left, right and centre. As you mm-hmm. said, they're all very sort of like... Uh, shiny. fanciful and shiny and overproduced. Not overproduced, very well-produced and very yeah. huge, very big budgets. This one stands up and goes, hey man, you can just be in a fucking flannel shirt and a backwards cap and you can make a badass movie. All you got to do... For 20 grand. ...is fucking sit down... Get a get a group of people around you that want to do the same shit, and then just fucking do it. And then there and you talk go. about shit that's real, and there you and go. honest, and, and a bit scary ha- to admit. That's it. And then Harvey Weinstein buys a movie from you at a film festival. I mean, he's a nice guy, right? What's he doing now? Well, do you know what Harvey Weinstein is an, a sort of integral part of Kevin Smith's career because uh, mm-hmm. he funded basically the first fucking fifteen, twenty of them. However, when all the Weinstein stuff came out, do you know what Kevin Smith did? He donated the royalties. Mm-hmm. the total royalties of every film that Weinstein had anything to do with to domestic abuse charities. So anytime you him, watch man. a Kevin Smith film that has Harvey Weinstein producing it, mm-hmm. you are genuinely raising money for charities. Do you see what I'm saying, though? Like, who does that? Geniuses. Geniuses. Geniuses do that shit, man. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. And it's so with so... that, I very much recommend that you do exactly that. Find this film uh, on Amazon Prime. Rent it. It's £3.50. It's dead easy to get. Uh, and you're actually doing work for charity whilst you watch this incredible film. Please go and watch it. It is literally one of the funniest, most enjoyable, most relatable 90s Janky, movies ever. Honestly, slightly poorly made, but badly acted, incredible, deep, shallow, vulgar. It's beautiful. It's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful piece of cinema. It is. And you, it'll just, it, it, there's something there for everyone. Literally every single person, there's something there for you. Couldn't agree with you more. What are you going to rate it? What, what, what would I rate it? Uh, I need to think about that one. What would you rate it? I'm going eight. Eight? Why, eight. why not? Why eight? Why not if ten? If you would have asked me uh, when I was 14, it would have been ten. Because yep. it was life-affirming. It was, I was living that moment at that time. I what can, are the two that it's lost? Uh, the two that it's lost is that since then, I've seen what Kevin Smith can do. Yeah. And I know that Kevin Smith, in my opinion, he gets better. He does. He gets worse first, but then he gets he, better. He gets a little worse. Let's not. We'll, we'll, we'll get, get into, into it. that. That's more rats. The next episode, yeah, and next I episode. got opinions. But he, in my opinion, he gets better, yes, and he, does. he is still getting better now. So to give him a ten this early on, I feel is unfair. Okay, you, because you, then there's you're no way allowing left some headroom. Yeah. yeah, I'd say I'd say a seven. I'd say there's okay. there's bits of it that comedically don't land for me. Okay. Uh, because they were, they were controversial at their time. Like mm-hmm. there are, there's vulgarity in there that, to contemporary audiences, there's bits of this film that might seem like vulgarity for vulgarity's sake. Yeah. But at the time, they would have been quite controversial and transgressive and mm-hmm. punk rock and all that sort of stuff. So it, it loses a point there. There's no denying that a, a fair chunk of the acting is is 
difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he, I, I agree with you. I think he, he makes a similar point better in later films. He does. The thing that I'll always respect about this movie is there is a lot of, a lot of turns of phrase. There's a lot of language and stuff that wouldn't be acceptable today. Not so much. Not, Not so, so much. much but... And I think what's fascinating about that is even in those instances where where that is the case, yeah. another character then pulls that character up on it. 100%. It's, it's corrected immediately. But this is back in 94. And if you think yeah. about it, this is it's almost like historical importance that we have these moments. Oh, hell yeah. Because these moments existed and they need to be acknowledged that they existed so that we can move past them. Yeah. I think this movie does a fucking great job of everything involved. And I was surprised, realistic, because when I when I came to watch this, I was expecting to have to do a fair bit of forgiving it for its mm-hmm. so, but it's weirdly quite progressive for '94. Massively progressive like, for '94. The female characters have all got agency and don't take shit and have full Dude, developed characters. And Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith will always write women as badass as possible. Doesn't matter whether yeah. they're like uh, with like heroes or villains or fucking cameos uh, cameos yeah. character actors they're badass yeah and it's it, there is never a fucking stone that's left unturned when it comes to it there's no the character development in all of his movies is phenomenal yeah more rats phenomenal anyway, more rats anyway uh <laughs> let's get into that next episode for now uh we got a wrap up uh we love you all very dearly tune in on wednesday the 26th instagram live where we have the competition winner being announced and yes, until we see you next time we love you dearly I've been Rob McFarlane. I've been Ben Groves. And uh, see you next time. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Consume, Consume, please.